This time our pastor, Brother Richard Hayden. Amen. Thank you, sir. Have your Bibles this morning. Be turning over to the book of Judges, chapter 6. We want to read a few verses there in a moment. Brother Luther is talking about us getting started a little earlier. And uh, we've got some friends in the Church of Christ, and they was teasing us one time, said that they uh, got out at 11 o'clock where they could beat the Baptists to the restaurants. And so we keep on moving up. They won't be able to beat us very much, will they? Amen. We'll get there almost time they do. But uh, anyway, it's good to be here this morning. I trust that you've come looking for a blessing and looking for an encouragement in the Lord. And if you found your place in the book of Judges, chapter 6, if you'll stand, we'll start reading with verse 11. Just a couple of verses there this morning. The Bible says, And there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an oak, which was in Ophir, and pertaineth unto Joash, the Abibonite, and the son and his son Gideon thrashed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, that we've been able to read a portion of thy word. And Father, I pray, Lord, we've read it correctly. And may the blessed Holy Spirit move upon uh, the reading of it this morning. And may he move, Lord, upon the words that we have to say. And Father, may they be sealed in our hearts, Lord that we'll leave this place being able to say, down in our souls, it's truly good to be in the house of God. And might that goodness follow us throughout the days of this coming week and this coming month, Lord, that we might be closer to you and more dedicated and more open, Lord, to your will. I pray in Christ's name, amen. amen. <clears throat> I want to speak this morning upon delivered by following God's plan. And I tell you, that'll always work, amen. If you'll follow God's plan, God will always deliver you. Whether you be a lost individual that needs to be delivered from the clutches of Satan, if you'll follow God's plan, he has one that, uh, that will deliver you. And then after that you're saved, God has a plan uh, for you to follow in order to please him. And I tell you, a lot of folk just decided they'd rather please the flesh than they had please God and uh, won't uh, surrender unto him, and won't surrender unto his plan, and so they're never completely delivered from the clutches of the world. And so we want to begin to look this morning, uh, not so much at maybe the way we usually look at this story, but at, at the way God can deliver us. There's, there were days this week that I, I kind of studied and looked upon the story of uh, Israel coming out of Egypt and how that uh, they were cleared of the uh, influence of the world upon them. And then somewhere or another God led me to this portion of Scripture which is primarily the same thing. And uh, we begin to look in verse 1 of this 6th chapter this morning. And we'll find out the reason these people were in bondage. Verse 1 says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then uh, what happened to them? Because they did evil. The Bible says in that same verse, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midianites seven years. And the Lord delivered them. Uh, you know, Satan can't do a thing to you 
unless God lets him do it. And uh, so it is this morning that we need to look closely at what God wants us to learn from this lesson. I believe there are several things that we could get from the reading of the scripture this morning. Uh, One of them is there comes a time when God's patience runs out with sin in an individual's life. And uh, once that God's patience run out and he withdraws his hand of protection, uh, you're in big trouble. Did you know there's not a one of us would get home this morning if it wasn't for the protecting hand of God? There wasn't, now there's not a one of us that wouldn't have more trouble in our lives than we have if it wasn't for the protecting hand of God. And so we learn that God can withdraw his hand of protection. But then we also learn that when God's children call to him out of a sincere heart, that he'll always hear, amen. He'll always listen. And those are some things that we can learn. But I don't believe they're the primary thing that God wants us to see this morning. God wants us to see uh, the much good that we can accomplish, of the great good deeds that we could do if we'll just patiently wait upon the Lord. If we'll just have that patient surrender. God will never do anything with you until you surrender unto Him. But uh, then God, as soon as you surrender, God doesn't immediately move every time. And so we have to learn not only surrender, but we have to learn patient surrender unto the Lord. And so it was here with Gideon. And uh, Gideon uh, did a little ingenuity. He was in stress like all the rest of the nation. He had a little bit of ingenuity there. And uh, it came time to thrash the wheat. And he knew when he got it thrashed that enemy would come down and take it. And so he slipped off down by the wine press. And uh, he began to thrash his wheat down at the bottom of the mountain. Now, I'm not going to try to go through all that this caused Gideon because most of you already know. But up on top of the hill is where they usually thrash the wheat. And they could throw the wheat up and the wind would come and blow away the chaff and leave the wheat. But now, down at the bottom of the mountain is where they had the wine press. That was because they could get the grapes on the sleds and they could slide them down the hill easier than they could pull them up the hill. And uh, then Gideon said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get out to the bottom of the hill and I'll thrash my wheat. Now there's nobody that thinks I'd be silly enough to go down there where there's no wind and thrash wheat. I can imagine as he tried to do that and all that uh, uh, shaft got out of his shirt and he began to itch and he was going through great hardship, but he did it that he might be able to feed his family. And so uh, he was there. Uh, he was like all the rest of the, uh, Israel, perhaps not as bad. No doubt there was others that, that were going hungry like his family had gone hungry. No doubt there probably were some in that nation that were starving to death because as the enemy came up, the Bible says they come up like, grasshoppers. They covered the land so great that you couldn't number them. And so Gideon here was thrashing his wheat at the bottom of the hill. And uh, 
let me repeat something that I've said over and over again. God never selects somebody to do a job and then says to that individual, prepare yourself for this job. God always selects those people who are already prepared. And so we have to learn from Gideon here. No doubt he was a good man. He was a just man. And he was an humble man. And I think the last is the most important. We have to be humble. God teaches us that in this very story. Over there, if you'll remember, when Gideon first started putting his army together, and God said, if I send this army up, they'll come back tomorrow and be saying, look what we did. We overcame the enemy. We, we ran the enemy off. And so we have to keep that humble spirit about us. And uh, I, I wonder how long Gideon had prayed and waited upon the Lord uh, to do something to free his people. And, uh, you know, uh, I believe that he expected God to answer. Uh, when we pray, we ought to expect God to answer. I believe Gideon was the type of man that when he prayed, he expected God to answer. But he never tried to run ahead of God. He waited on God. What does the Bible say? He that waiteth upon the Lord shall mount up with wings of an eagle lay by. And so I believe old Gideon here waited upon the Lord. And I believe that's a good lesson that we ought to learn, how to wait upon the Lord. And um, uh, note that he never did try to rush out. You know, the Lord said, now, uh, Gideon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you to deliver Israel. Oh, Gideon didn't run out and grab him up a sword or grab him up a staff and say, give me a few men here that want to go with me because God said he's going to use me to deliver Israel. I'm going to go down and get that job done. Uh, Gideon not only waited till he was sure about the answer, he waited till he was sure about the plan God had. And so here it is. Oh, Gideon, he began to ask the Lord, uh, are you sure? Uh, I'm the man you want. Now, I know you don't see that exactly in the scripture, but that's what he's saying. God, are you sure I'm the one you want? And, and uh, you know how they laid the fleece. And one time he said, I, I'm going to lay the fleece upon the ground. And, and uh, tomorrow morning when I get up, I want the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dried. Then he said, now, Lord, I, I still want to be sure that you're speaking to me. Uh, look at me who I am. And he laid the fleece down the next day and did right the reverse. And God answered uh, by letting the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. And as soon as Gideon was sure God wanted him to do something, uh, he was ready to go. And not only did God want to make sure that, uh, not only did Gideon want to make sure that God wanted him to do uh, what he thought he was calling him to do, uh, God wanted to make sure Gideon was ready to do it. And you see, Gideon lived in a land of idolatry. They worshipped a God called Baal. And uh, Gideon's daddy was a great part of that worship. And uh, so God said to Gideon, now what I want you to do, you get you a few men and you go out there. And they always built the altars of Baal up on a high place in a little grove. He said, now what I want you to do is get you a few men and go out there and tear the altars down that your daddy's built under Baal. 
and I want you to build an altar unto the Lord. I want you to cut the groves down. And so Gideon found him a few men, and he went out there, and he did that. Now the next morning, it's kind of strange. These men found out, the men of the village found out who had done that, and they decided they just eliminate old Gideon. And so they came down to Gideon's daddy's house and said, where is this boy at? We're going to get rid of him. And uh, even though uh, Gideon's father was involved in that worship, he said uh, something like this. Now he said, does Baal need somebody to plead his own case? Uh, he's supposed to be a god. Can't he take care of his own place? You mean to tell me one little man can do something to a god and he can't do anything about it? And so they, they kind of backed off and left uh, Gideon alone that he might that Baal might prove himself. And of course, you know that Baal never did prove himself. And uh, so then we come down to the big, big question. We come down to the big task. And, uh, you know, you, you begin to think about uh, uh, God calling Gideon as a farmer. And old Gideon, he said here, he said, Now, Lord, surely you've made a mistake. Is that, that's in, that is in the Bible, right? He, he said, God, surely you've made a mistake. He said, look at me. He said, my father is the poorest among our family. And he said, our family is the poorest in the tribe of Manasseh. And Manasseh is the poorest tribe in all Israel. In other words, he said, if you take the whole nation, I'm the poorest individual in the whole bunch. I've had no military training. I don't know anything about fighting. I don't know anything about strategy. God, I believe you've made a mistake. Have you ever accused God of making mistakes? Maybe not verbally, but every one of us has said sometimes, God, I believe you don't know what you're talking about, really. And so God said to old Gideon, he said, now I've got a plan. And uh, finally Gideon said, all right, God, if you're sure about this thing, he said, tell me what it is. And God said to Gideon, he said, go out and call you an army. And Gideon sent the word out. We want an army to go down and fight against the enemy. We've been, we've been in bondage long enough. We want an army to go down. And 32,000 men showed up. You say, man, that's a pretty good size army. But remember, the enemy couldn't be counted. Now, somebody said they outnumbered Israel 10 to 1. If you can't count them, I don't know how you can figure out they was outnumbered 10 to 1. I just know they were greatly outnumbered. And I look around and I see 32,000 men. And I think, man, that's a great big army. But then I look over here and just as far as you can see is the enemy. And I say, after all, 32,000, not many. And God comes over to Gideon and said, Gideon, got something I want to tell you. He said, you got too many men. And Gideon said, God, you got to be kidding. I've got 32,000 and they've got more than you can count and you're telling me I've got too many men. 
God said, you got too many men. He said, there's a lot of those people out there that's in the army, they don't really want to fight anyway. He said, just tell them go on back home. In other words, what he said, he said, you tell all those cowards, just, we don't need them. The, those men who are afraid to fight who, and who's afraid to give their lives for the cause, he said, just tell them go back home, we don't need them. And so Gideon goes up before the bunch and says, now if any of you fellas want to go home and not be a part of this fight, he said, you just go home. And I can imagine those soldiers looked out there at that great uh, army they had to face and said, well, all we're going to do is get ourselves killed and our families won't have nobody to help provide for them. And You know, they just come up with excuse after excuse to make, them, make their conscience soothe. And... Uh, 22,000 of them went back home. And there's Gideon with, I hope I've got these numbers right, I think I have. There was Gideon with 10,000 men. And uh, Gideon said, God, I'm ready. I know the army's awful small, but you promised me you'd be with me. And uh, I believe we're ready to go now. And God said, Gideon, got too many men. And I can imagine Gideon almost fainted. Said, God, what do you mean? I've got 10,000 men, the army out there, you can't count them, and I've got too many men. God said, you got too many. And he began to tell him about what we was talking about a moment ago. That if there was a large army and he gave the enemy into their hands, they'd come back and brag about, look what we've done. We have a problem doing that sometimes. Look at me. Look what I can do. We forget that any good that comes out of what we do comes out because God did it through us. And God said, now Gideon, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take that 10,000 men down there and get a drink of water. Let me, let me make sure. if I got those numbers right or if I got them wrong? 22,000 went back home. He said, take those men down there and get them a drink of water. And he said, all of them gets down like this and drinks water. He said, send them home. He said, some of them will get out like this with their spear, reach down and get water in their hand, drink like that. He said, those are men I want. And so Gideon did that. And he sent them all back home and he began to count his army. One, two, three. He said, Lord, don't have but 300 men. God said, that's all you need. You got 300 men and me. What else do you need? And then God began to reveal his plan to old Gideon. He said, I'll tell you what now. He says, I want you to get every one of those 300 men a trumpet. Now, I don't know where Gideon found 300 trumpets. I just know that he did. 
He said, I want you to give every one of those 300 men a lamp. And then he said, I want you to give every one of them an empty water pitcher. That's the craziest plan I ever heard in my life. How in the world are you going to... Didn't have a single spear, single bow and arrow, or a single staff. And how are you going to take 300 men and go out there and run an army off that you can't count with an empty water pitcher and a light and a trumpet? And God said, let me tell you how to do this. He said, you go out there and you stroll those men out around the camp. And he said, on your signal, Gideon said, when it comes time, I'm going to blow my trumpet and I'm going to burst that water pitcher that I've got over the lamp. And he said, when I do that, all of you do that. Now, you've got to know the custom to kind of understand what went on. Usual thing, they'd have a whole band of men, maybe a hundred or so, and they'd have one leader. And the leader is the only one that'd have a light. And so they got all strode out around uh, the, the enemy in the middle of the night, and old uh, Gideon blew his trumpet, and all the other 300 blew their trumpets. That'd be a pretty good noise to start with. And then they all broke their lamps and those enemy become, come alive and begin to look out there. They were surrounded by 300 leaders of bands in their own eyes. Now they didn't have any electric lights in those days. They didn't have any flashlights. So they just jumped up in their fear and grabbed their sword and they began to cut whoever was close to them. And they slay each other that night. And the Bible doesn't say, but I don't believe Gideon lost a man. And Gideon did have a sword. He didn't have anything to fight with. Who did the fighting that night? You see what I'm saying? That if we can come to the place where we can just trust God. Amen. See, the, God will ask you to do something. Brother, Brother Bobby's been teaching for a pretty good while, but I can imagine when he first started. I'll tell you, Brother Bobby's learned a lot since he's been here. But I can imagine when he first started, the devil said, you can't do it. Why you don't have a whole lot of education. And Brother Bobby's probably got as much as I have or more. But you don't have much education. You, do, you never have stood and spoke before people. And, and uh, you may have some Bible knowledge, but not enough to teach. The devil puts all those things in your mind. But you know what? If God calls you, he will prepare you if you're surrendered. Too many of us partly surrender. 
Lord, I'd preach if you'll let me stay in my old community where my family is. That's not surrender. You know, one point I, I think I failed to make that I wanted to make a few moments ago. That was being patient and waiting on the Lord. I, I thought Brother Nichols would be here this morning and I'd prove this for him. So you're, you're uh, maybe privileged to ask him if you'd like. For years, I did what they call lay preaching. I just, I wasn't ordained. I'd go and help churches out between pastors or maybe when the pastor's on vacation. And I was satisfied because years before that, I'd surrendered. Lord, what you want me to do? Here I am. And then one day God come and said, I want you to surrender to preach and get ordained. And I did. And it seemed like God shut the door. I told him for a long time, I thought God called me to preach funerals. I sat there for five years. Preached very little, not even in my own church. Just went on doing what I'd always done. And I'm not going to try to go through this story because it'd take too long. But Brother Mac, there was a day Brother Mac was a member of that church. There was a day when a member of that church was preaching revival not far from where I live, and I hated to go to that revival, but I knew I needed to. And at that revival, that man asked if I'd come over and preach three Sundays. And five years later, I left. But I, the, the point I'm wanting to make, I had to wait on the Lord. I could have gotten other places to preach. But if I'd opened the door myself, God had said, well, you want him there. Do what you can. But I sincerely believe because I waited on the Lord to open the door. God has greatly blessed my ministry. I wished I'd have done more. And if I had done more, he would have blessed more. But God's been tremendously good to me and my family over the years. And I believe it's because I waited for him to open the door. And then when he opened the door, I was willing to walk through it. But it started with surrender. And I believe that's the biggest thing God wants us to see this morning. You start with surrender. You may not know what God would want you to do. He, he might want you to preach. He might want you to sing. He might want you to teach. Uh, a hundred things he might want you to do. But until you can come to the place, you say, God, when you tell me what you want me to do, and I'm sure of it, I'm going to do it. You're not surrendered. I believe there's somebody, maybe a group of somebodies this morning, that God wants to surrender. And remember, if he calls you and you'll surrender, 
He'll prepare you. And he'll supply your need. And he'll watch over you. I'm not going to tell you the road will always be easy. You're in a foreign country. You're on a foreign battlefield. But I tell you, you got something to look forward to. There's coming a time when the Lord will say, I'm on home. You know, isn't it? I, I've never been in the service, so, but I've been at places where you work. And I was always glad when they'd come around and say, boys, it's time to knock off and go to the house. I know that these men that's been in the military service, boy, how good they must have felt when Uncle Sam gave them that piece of paper and said, you're discharged. There's coming a time when God's going to say to all of us, hey, you're discharged. It's time to come on home. But between now and then, I can't recall if it's somebody in this church or somebody else that I was talking to over the last few weeks. I don't know how it is in the military now. But I know back in World War II and along in that era of time, there was a saying among soldiers, it's not mine to question the reason why. It's simply mine to do or die. And I believe that's the attitude we ought to have toward the Lord. Lord, you tell me what to do and I'll accomplish it or I'll die trying. Are you the one God would like to surrender this morning? As we stand, the piano player, the song leader will come. Brother Mack, if you'll stand on my right, Brother Chris on the left, and Brother Bobby in the center. Men sure to help you. The altars are always open. We encourage you this morning to do what God wants you to do, and if you're here without those shirts of his salvation, I know what God wants. He wants you to come this morning, believe his word, trust his promises, and accept his son. As we sing, what's the number, brother? Number nine. Number nine. The cross upon which Jesus died Is a shelter in which we can hide and its grace so free is sufficient for me and deep is its fountain as wide as the sea there's room at the cross for you